This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. Open up in your Bibles to Ecclesiastes chapter 4. We are going to speak on the importance of being one in the move of God. Continue some things that we have started previously and continue forward with those things. And the subtitle is Biblical Fellowship. Talking about biblical fellowship. Now again, some of these things we have taught before, spoken of recently. And we'll give a little time to review, but we'll push forward as well. Are you in the book of Ecclesiastes? Chapter 4. Let's start at verse number 9. Two are better than one, because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth. For he hath not another to help him up. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now, what we've been concentrating on here is there in verse number nine, where he says two are better than one. Now, we know that two is more than one, but he's not talking about two being more than one. He's talking about two being better than one. Uh, When we looked at this previously, we understood that this is unique in that two is always more than one, but two is not always better than one. Even the Bible gives us understanding of that. Uh, When he references the Pharisees who got offended in the truth, he said they'd be blind leaders of the blind. And if the blind lead the blind, see, that's more than one they shall both end up in a ditch. So just being two is more, but two is not always better. And now one of my favorite scriptures is in Deuteronomy chapter 22, verse 10, we reference that, and I love it. Thou shalt not plow with an ox and an ass together. So, so some two things just don't go along. See, and we'll get to it when we get to it, but, but that is a biblical reference, right? The ox is clean, the ass is unclean. You know, in churches, we, in churches, in the church building, not in the body of Christ, but in the church building, because the body of Christ are the oxes. But in the church building, you have both. Hey Amen. I know. Some people get offended at that. But if you're not an ass, then that won't offend you. I didn't cuss. I'm just telling the truth. Amen. So what I'm telling you is that what is being referenced here in Ecclesiastes chapter 4 is something special. It is God's ordained method of oneness. That's what he's talking about. That's when two are better than one. And, but in God's ordained method of oneness, there is included biblical fellowship. And I say biblical fellowship because we loosely use the term fellowship today. We get a group of people who are in the church building that we go to church together with. We go to the movies and we say we had a fellowship at the movies. I want to tell you, you may have had a fellowship at the movies. That doesn't mean that was a biblical fellowship. And we'll get to this. I believe we'll get to this. But we, if, you, if that's what you mean, then we misuse the term. Because in all honesty, the better use of that term would be we took our fellowship too. 
we continue our fellowship at. But we'll get to it, alright? So we have to understand, just because you got together with some people who hold a Bible, doesn't mean you're included in this oneness. Doesn't mean that two are better than one in that condition. You with me? Alright, so, when we talk about, well, well, let me say some other things here. We also went to Amos 3 and 3, where God asked Israel a rhetorical question. He said, can two walk together except they be agreed? And the answer is no. Two cannot walk together except they be agreed. And understand, when you say walk, when you're referencing God, God is talking about walking with him. He's talking about a continual, a sustained, effective, and a successful relationship with him. And when two walk together and are agreed, that's called fellowship. That's biblical fellowship. And remember this. Please remember this. When you walk with God, He's not agreeing with you. You must agree with Him. Outside of that, that is not biblical fellowship. People have heard the Word of God and didn't like it and went to someplace else where they thought they heard a word they, that they liked and they think they're in biblical fellowship, but they're outside. And they are alone. And woe to them who is alone. Because the opportunity to fall is going to come. Mm. Amen. So two are better than one. But they must be equally yoked. They must be equally yoked together. And, and when we talk about equally yoked, we're talking about people who agreed with God. Now. Looking at Ecclesiastes 4 again, let's read this again. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their labor. For if they fall, the one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him that is alone when he falleth, for he hath not another to help him up. You know who wants you to fall? The enemy. He wants you to fall. And, and so, you know, the enemy, the enemy studies. The enemy knows more scripture than you probably know. And the enemy knows this scripture. He says, now, as long as you are alone, I can trip you up. It's a lot easier for me to trip you up when you're alone. Uh, verse 11. Again, if two lie together, then they have heat. But how can one be warm alone? In verse 12. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him, and a threefold cord is not quickly broken. Verse 12 speaks of a conflict. And if one prevail against him, there's a conflict going on. And we've been studying, we've been concentrating on Wednesday nights, spiritual warfare. We have an enemy. We have an adversary. He wants you to fall. And he knows it's a lot easier to get you to fall if you're alone. And so here's what he does. He doesn't necessarily just get you away from church. He'll put you in a mind to be alone in the midst of church. He'll get you thinking that no one else knows the trouble I see. No one else can relate. They'll get you in mind to think, no one else really does care about me. Amen. Glory to your name. God is speaking here. Because the enemy is subtle. Now, there are those who have separated themselves from the local body and woe to them. But that's the enemy working as well. The enemy tries to get in their mind thinking that you don't need a pastor. You don't need a church. You don't need a teacher. You can study on your own. 
But God has an ordained method of oneness. It includes biblical fellowship. See, the enemy will have you come here and say, you know what, give me the word, but I don't want to deal with the people. That's the enemy wanting you to fall. And he understands, if I can get in your mind, see, that's all the enemy can do. He can put something in your mind and offer it to you. And it's up to you whether or not you take it. We're talking about oneness in the move of God. It is very important. It is very vital. And again, here's the thing about it. When you fall, God didn't want you to stay down. No, you didn't hear that. Our God is a good God. Our God is a merciful God. Our God didn't call you to himself to lose you. He understands you're but flesh. He understands that you have infirmity. You have weakness. He understands there's a conflict going on. And he says, I've set up a method whereby you might stand. See, the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. But they are mighty through God. You see, God has a spiritual weapon that is for your use and it's called biblical fellowship. We've missed it all together. We think we have to stand alone. We think we have to do it alone. But no, God puts you in a body among others that you might stand. Outside of that, there's trouble. Verse 12, and if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. I'm sorry, but it's so good. Somebody's coming after you. See, all this stuff we get irritated with because people are on us about where we should be and not, are not there. That is God saying, come home. Stand up. Don't let the enemy prevail. It's the adversary who's playing with you. And if one prevail against him, two shall withstand him. And a threefold cord is not quickly broken. So we said this about fellowship. Fellowship is, or it means, one, to have unity. It means to be in allegiance. It means to be of the same persuasion. It means to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. It means we keep preferred company with one another, which is an expression of sincere love and care for each other. Again, I'm in review, so forgive me if I'm not taking my time to let you write, because there's a place I want to get to. Now, we have gone over these things already, and I want to reemphasize some things. One of the things is, when we talked about to have unity, that means the absence of diversity. And the absence of diversity is the closeness of, or the bringing in proximity of, those who were at one time separated. We were separated, but now in Christ, I'm telling you, this is why I get to this point and I've got to calm myself down. This is why the church has to judge itself because we're in error. We're separated. We're segregated on Sundays when we're supposed to have unity. You know, we were separated in the world. Why do we keep those same separations now that we're in Christ? Something's missing. Turn to Galatians chapter 3. Galatians chapter 3. Verse 28. There is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither bond nor free. There is neither male nor female. For ye are all one in Christ Jesus. He doesn't love the Jew more than the Greek. 
He doesn't love the bond more than the free. He doesn't love the male more than the female. We are all one in Christ. See, in fellowship, we're different, but we're not separated. Amen. And we're brought into... Get it. I'm, I'm telling you, this is amazing to me because there are still chains on our mind within the church and God deals with His people about those chains. We saw it in the Scriptures. He dealt with Peter. Before he went to Cornelius' house, he said, Peter, you've got chains on your mind. You've got chains on your heart. You think for some reason Jews have a preferred relationship with me compared to those who are not Jews. So I've got to deal with you because I want the... I want the Greeks just like I want the Jews. I want to love them with the love that I have for you. And so we had to get over it. We talked about, now we didn't go there, but we talked about Jonah and the Ninevites. And how those people were associated with the people who did his people wrong. And God is like, you have to get over your hurts. You have to get over your past pains. Uh, but God, they did me wrong, but now, but now we're at one in Christ. Oh, glory to your name, God. I'm sorry. This, this, uh, you know, uh, some of you black folk have to get over the issues that are in our past. God's love is greater. Well, they did me wrong. Well, what wrong did you do that God forgave you of? You have to get over it. Now, now, you have to get over it. In the same token, because when we speak about those things, we'll think about cultural issues. And we, this country does have some cultural issues. There's no doubt about it. But also, don't forget, we might have issues among ourselves. Right here in this room. Someone may have said something about me, about my spouse, about my child, about my family. And I haven't let it go. Oh, I didn't get too many amens on that one. You might be the guilty party. And God is dealing with you. See, because here, here's one of the things. We do have an enemy. We are engaged in a conflict. And he is a subtle individual with his weapons. And one of his devices is unforgiveness. Because he wants you to fall. And you think holding on to that grudge, you're going to stand. But you're not. You see, because once unforgiveness settles in, then bitterness takes root. And out of bitterness all comes all kinds of trouble. But you have to get over those things. You, you know what? Here's the thing about it. They did you wrong, but God forgave you. So for Christ's sake, why don't you forgive them? Oh my, I'm sorry. I know, I know this is tough. I know this is rough, but you're born of Him now. See, now you have to walk together and be agreed. <laughs> you didn't hear it. He's not agreeing with you. You have to agree with Him. Have you ever been done wrong and God says, show compassion to the person who did you wrong? Why? Because it just might be they can't see my love until they see how wrong they did you and how you treat them like I want them to be treated. Can I share with you something about spiritual warfare? We've been talking out of Ephesians about the armor of God. And God has a particular issue of armory. And he has that armory issued out because we are engaged in a conflict. Because we're engaged in a battle. And one of the interesting things I find about the armor is that he makes reference to our feet. 
he says we need to have our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace. Now, here's the interesting thing I, I find about that. He's talking about having the armor for a battle. And in the midst of the battle, he says you have to have your feet shod with the preparation of the gospel. Not just the preparation of the gospel, but the preparation of the gospel of peace. Because sometimes when we are engaged in this conflict, the enemy will work through people. And when he works through people, we have to remember, this is why he tells us, we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against spiritual wickedness, the rulers of the darkness of this age, spiritual wickedness in high places. And sometimes when we get engaged in this battle, we forget we give a gospel of peace. And so we start condemning one another. Oh, no, no, let me, let me take a step back. We start condemning those who are outside of the fellowship. No, no, you're not getting me. I'm telling you, there is, the church is in error today. They need to check themselves. They want to keep certain people out of the country. They want, to, they want to agree with somebody saying everybody's murderers and, and robbers. But what were you? I'm sorry, what are you now? Because <laughs> you're definitely not walking with Christ with that kind of attitude. And so we get this condemnation attitude. We'll tell people about their problems, but we won't give them hope. But we don't wrestle against flesh and blood. We cannot forget in the midst of this battle, in the midst of people doing us wrong, God wants to give them the gospel of peace. When we start condemning one another, when we start judging one another without giving one another hope, when we start telling somebody how bad they are without showing them the Lord Jesus Christ, we've lost our direction. Our feet are no longer shy. This is how we get in the church. Sometimes we've been in the church so long and we think we're always right and we've gotten so holy we've forgotten where we come from. And so we start treating one another as though, since you didn't act holy, like, I'm acting holy. I'm cutting you off. You've lost your direction. Your feet are not shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, the enemy wants you to get in mind to be separated. Because he knows a threefold cord is not soon broken. So we've got to get over our past hurts. We've got to get over those who've done us wrong in the past. But, but here's the thing. Now, now I, I'm going to be balanced. I didn't mean to spend this long here, but I'm going to be balanced, right? Because some people come and they will mistreat you expecting you to be the Christian in the relationship. <laughs> they expect you to do that. But I want to tell you who does that, that in all honesty, wow, I, I can't preach all that. But you are responsible to make restitution. You're responsible to bring forth fruit of repentance. You're responsible to ask for forgiveness. And if you don't, you know what we're not obligated to do? Oh, my goodness. We're not obligated for you calling yourself a believer to forgive you. We always stand ready to forgive. But if you refuse... To ask, if you refuse to repent, all bets are off. He just talked about love. I'm talking about your responsibility. Again, ox in the ass. Only if you're an ass would you get offended with that. Only if you're walking in unrighteousness would you get offended with that. 
Where is Sister Hill? Get this man out here. <laughs> and this is very important because here's the other thing I want to emphasize. See, I want to emphasize that we have to get over our past hurts. Not just cultural hurts, but hurts that others may have inflicted among us in this room. God still wants to do a work through you. And you have to stand ready to forgive and not hold a grudge against others who are supposed to be in the fellowship with you. And this is very important because the absence of diversity enables us to submit to one another in love. Again, I want to emphasize this because people hear things and they don't hear with a balanced ear. Because I do want you to understand God doesn't love the preacher more than he loves the laity. He doesn't love the one who's up at the church more often than you are, more than he loves you. He doesn't love the male more than he loves the female. He doesn't love the black more than he loves the white. He do, it, it doesn't go like he loves everybody equally. So we can be submitted one to another in love. Because you have to understand, though he loves us equally, there's still order in his house. Someone's going to be the pastor. And it's not going to be everybody. And because he has order, and because he has removed what separated us, we have to just submit to one another in love. <laughs> Someone's going to be in charge of this. Someone's going to be responsible for that. We just have to submit to one another in love. And get rid of your cultural biases. That's a man's job. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. That's a woman's job. See, because we, we can't think, we can't fathom that a man would be put over children's ministry of excellence. Oh, hallelujah. Glory to you. No, no, that, that's, that's a woman's job. Amen. We couldn't, we couldn't fathom that, that, that someone would come up one day and say, you know what, we're just going to have this female teach Wednesday night all the time. We just submit. And we can submit to one another love because he's not loving them more than he's loving me. Wow. Let me push forward. I'm supposed to be reviewing. But I do want to emphasize that because don't think that this gives you a right to have your opinion be put above others. Because when we're walking, we're walking agreed, but not agreed with you. We're walking agreed with God. And God loves us all equally. And he will call whoever he wants to call to do this or do that. Doesn't mean he loves them more. But because he does love us all, we can submit in love. Amen. See, see, because here, oh, hallelujah, glory to you. Keep going. Keep moving forward. All right. So, it's to have unity. The absence of diversity. It, it means to... To be in allegiance. To be in allegiance, uh, I'm going to, I want to say this right. To be in allegiance means you have me in mind. Does that make sense to you? I, to be in, if I'm in allegiance with you and you're in allegiance with me, whatever it is you're doing, whatever you run across, you think about me. Whatever it is that I run across, whatever good thing, what, what I think about you. You're on my mind. You're in my heart. That's to have allegiance. It means to be loyal and devoted to one another. Wow. To be loyal means if I have information 
about you, I've got to think about what this information would do if I let it out. What would it do to you? But I'm loyal to you. And so this information might be detrimental to you, so I'm going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to let it out. And if I do keep it to myself and there's something going on there, I'm going to pray to God on your behalf. I'm going to seek Him for your good. And when I'm devoted, that means I'm willing to sacrifice for you. I'm willing to lose something that you might gain. We're talking biblical fellowship. Amen. We got too many selfish people calling themselves having fellowship. It's me first and you, you got to get your own. But in biblical fellowship, we have allegiance. Amen. Hallelujah. Glory to your name. Wow. We'll get there. But if anything is going on and it's good, I'm going to consider how I'm going to bring you in on this good. (laughs) I'm not going to keep it to myself. I'm not going to hide it. See, this is going to give me advantage over them. Wow. You with me still? (sighs) Got to push forward. To be of the same persuasion. It means we have the same conviction. Wow, that's right. Turn to Acts chapter 10. Acts chapter 10. I got to get better at review, people. So, Acts chapter 10. Have the same conviction. It means we have embraced the same standard. And I like Acts 10 because it puts it in simple form for us. Verse 34 and 35 says, Then Peter opened his mouth and said, Of a truth I perceive that God is no respecter of persons. But in every nation, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's the standard we have embraced. (laughs) That in every nation, I don't care who you are, he that feareth him and worketh righteousness is accepted with him. That's where the acceptance of God is. That is what we are after. That is our conviction. We know that He accepts those who fear Him and work righteousness. And so that's our conviction. We looked at Abraham for his persuasion. Even though he had everything go against the Word of God he had received, he pushed forward and believed God. He kept working righteousness. He kept fearing God through it all. He, we said it this way, he was going to push forward and go all the way in spite of the noise. Amen. He counted everything else as noise. Paul put it this way, I reckon. I, I arm myself with this mind that the sufferings of this present world are not worthy to be compared to the glory that shall be revealed in us. See, those, that is related to those who are accepted with him. And because that is the end of those who are accepted with him, I will not faint. Wow. Though he slay me, yet will I trust him. See, that's who I'm riding with. These are my ride and die buddies. We're going in the same direction. We're headed to the same end. Noise will come up along the way, but we're not stopping. We're pushing forward because we are of the same persuasion. Oh, I love that. 
we don't faint. We don't stop. We keep going forward. Well, you know, this is, to me, this is remarkable. This is amazing to me. Because here's what happens in life. Life happens. Life happens. And as life happens, it might seem as though God is against you. But God is not. I'm persuaded no matter rain or sunshine. Storms are still weather. My God is faithful. It's something else to where people have tragedies happen in their life, but they push forward nonetheless. That's an encouragement to me. It keeps me going. Hey Amen. I, I just love it because life happens. Disappointments will come. Things will not go your way. You will do things you said you were not going to do and then suffer the consequences of them, but you don't stop. That's people of the same persuasion. We're talking biblical fellowship. It means to have oneness with one another through the sacrifice of Christ. Turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 6. 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Again, we talked about this and we found out that that fellowship is actually koinonia. It's communion. It means we have an intimate association one with another. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse number 9 says, Know ye not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, nor idolaters, nor adulterers, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind. Nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers, nor extortioners shall inherit the kingdom of God. And such were some of you. <laughs> Amen. And such were some of you. You know, and the others, they were something just as bad. There was none good. Not a one of you. None of y'all. Nobody hit the mark. Everybody fell short. And I don't care what you call it, we all fell short. And such were some of you, but, but, ye are washed. But ye are sanctified. And what did you do to get washed? What did you do to become sanctified? It was no work of righteousness, which you did. See, again, I don't know your testimony, but I do. You were unclean and he washed you. You know what? I was unclean and he washed me. <laughs> we have a share in this. You know how, how some people get together because they have something in common? This is our common. We're all unclean. We're all filthy and foul. We were all unlovely. And he loved us in our unlovely condition. And such were some of you. But, I, I love the butts of God. This is who you were, but now you've been washed. Now you've been sanctified. Now you are justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. I want to I get this into you. You see, and we're going to talk about this, but this is His fellowship. See, God loves the Son. And he brought us into the Son that we might have the same love toward us that the Father has toward the Son. Now that's washed. That's sanctified. That is justified. Because outside of Christ, we are strangers. 
We have no hold on the promises, no claim on the promises. We are without hope and without God in this world. And such were some of you, but now you've been brought in. See, this is why it's so beautiful that there's the absence of diversity among us. We all have the same story. It's only by the blood. That's why we sing the same songs. (laughs) Because we have the same testimony. If it had not been for the Lord on our side. Fellowship means keeping preferred company with one another. Which is an expression of sincere love and care for each other. Turn to Ephesians chapter 4. This is my quick review. (laughs) Again, I need some help. Pray for a brother. Ephesians chapter 4. Well, you know, I said Ephesians chapter 4. Here we go. Keep your finger there and also look at John chapter 13. I wasn't going to go here, but we need to go here. John chapter 13. This is... Hmm. Jesus is preparing to be offered up as the Lamb of God for the sin of the world. And that before he goes, he wants to impart some things to his apostles. And one of the things he leaves them with is John 13, verses 34 and 35. A new commandment I give unto you, that you love one another. As I have loved you, that you also love one another. I'm sorry, I have to stop right here. I didn't mean to go here, but I'll go. No, this is not a new commandment. But you know what makes it new? He came and showed them love. I'm sorry, that's amazing. He said, now here's the new commandment. It's not that you love one another, but you love one another as I have loved you. That you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples. If you have love one to another. Love is what he wanted left on their minds. He's telling them, don't separate. Stay together. Wow, do you understand that? No, I don't think you understand that. Don't you know he loved Judas to the end? Though he knew he was the son of perdition. And there are those, we talked about it earlier, there are those who talked about you, said some wrong things about you, offended you severely. But a new commandment I give you. That you love one another as Christ has loved us. You know, I don't get an amen on that one, do I? You understand, people are going to do you wrong in the fellowship. But what do you do? You love with a long-suffering the Christ Jews. Amen. Glory to your name. That's it. Wow, I know it's tough. Here's what you need to do. When you go through those tough times, take it to God in prayer. Cast your cares upon Him. And you know what He's going to do? He's not going to tell you, well, you don't have to love. He's not going to tell you, well, you don't have to forgive. He's going to tell you, endure. <laughs> He's going to tell you, abide. He's going to tell you, stand. He's going to remind you, remember how I loved you. Remember how you did me wrong. Remember how you sinned against me and against me only did you sin. And remember how I treated you. Remember now that I'm not counting your sin against you. 
Remember how I'm not dealing with you according to your transgression, according to your iniquity, according to your sin. Abide. Endure. A new commandment I give you, (laughs) that you love one another as I have loved you, that you also love one another. By this shall all men know that you are my disciples if you have love one to another. Wow, again, I'm sorry, but this is amazing to me. He knew Judas was going to betray him, but he still gave him bread. Mm. That's amazing to me. He knew he was going to commit him to the cross, turn him over to the hands of wicked men. But he was still willing to show him love all the way to the end. I don't care what conflict you have with one another. It's not that severe. Just for my sake, just say amen. I don't care what conflict you have with one another. It's not that severe. You can treat them with love. In spite of their unlovely treatment of you. Wow, so so this means when I don't want to be around the brethren, I'm outside the fellowship. But they did me wrong. You're outside the fellowship. Is so-and-so going to be there? You're outside the fellowship. Yeah, see, you know, I'm telling you, I I would be broke based on amens (laughs) on my messages. People just don't like it. I hear you, brother, but that don't deserve no amen from me. It really don't. But it does. This is the truth. People have done you wrong. It's going to happen. No, it's going to happen. The enemy wants to work in your mind to get you separated from the fellowship. So he wants to keep you in mind to not forgive them, not act lovely toward them, to remember the commandment that Jesus left you. And the enemy says, that's where I want them to be. Now I can get them to fall and no one's going to help them up. Amen. Amen. You know, I'm going to say this. We're talking about September 1st, coming up on September 1st. But, but I got to witness my pastor be done wrong and still love nonetheless. I got to witness that. You know, and, and when you see it done, it's hard for you to say you can't do it. When you're given a living example, what excuse do you have? Ephesians chapter 4, verse 16. Let's quickly get through this so I can get through the new information. This sounds new though, doesn't it? <laughs> Ephesians 4, 16. From whom, and I'm sorry, I'm getting you in the middle of this, but it's alright. From whom, it's talking about Christ, from whom the whole body, the whole body of Christ, fitly joined together, and compacted by that which every joint supplies, whether you know it, you know it or not, he's talking about fellowship, he's talking about us being brought even closer together. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. You're a joint. You're a joint that supplies, and your joint supplying helps compact this body, helps bring us closer together. Okay. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplies. According to the effectual working in the measure of every part. Work your part. And that's all he's saying. God has a part for you. God has a role for you to play within this fellowship. 
you mean something to your brother as your brother means something to you. You mean something to your sister as your sister means something to you. you. Don't you think that you don't have anything to offer this fellowship because you do. Don't think that your love doesn't matter because it does. Don't think that your calls don't matter because they do. Don't think that your smiles don't matter because they do. Don't think that your encouraging words don't matter because they do. Don't think when you tell somebody, you know, I've been praying for you. Don't think that that doesn't matter because it does. That helps. From whom the whole body fitly joined together and compacted by that which every joint supplied, according to the effectual working in the measure of every part, it makes increase of the body. Unto the edifying of itself. And all I want to get to is that last part, in love. The edifying of itself in love. Wow, to me, again, that makes me want to go someplace and I can't go there because there's another place I want to get to. But check your motivation. Because within biblical fellowship, the motivation is always love. And when the motivation is love, that is the beginning of a strong infrastructure. I'm sorry, but this, I, I know we talked about it before. When you think infrastructure, just don't think natural. Think spiritual as well. See, because what I'm doing, I'm not doing because I have to. I'm doing because I love you. I'm doing because the love of God has been shed abroad in my heart by the Holy Ghost. As I have been loved, I can't help myself but to love like I've been loved. And you being of the same persuasion, and me being in allegiance with you, and you sharing in the oneness with me through the sacrifice of Christ, and what's being in unity means I'm going to provide for you. I'm going to lay down for you. I'm going to make sure that this community is always taken care of. I'm going to make sure if there's something that this community lacks and I have within my power, it's going to be provided for the community. Anything else is not biblical fellowship. See, I'm telling you, I hate to to keep going back here, but it ministers to me, oxes and asses are not supposed to plow together. And in the church, there are those who are only concerned about themselves. And even when they're not, even when they do give, they're not motivated by love. And that won't last. That will not continue. It will fizzle out. You will get tired because love doesn't tire out. Love never fails. See, fellowship is not necessarily about what it is that you do together. Or how many are together. It's more about who you're with. This is why I said earlier, we misspeak, we misspeak if we talk about having fellowship at the movies. No, if it's biblical fellowship, we have fellowship everywhere. We just take our biblical fellowship to different places. Because it's not about what we do, it's about who we're with. We're going to a musical. I don't like musicals. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're with. They're going golfing again. I can't stand golfing. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're with. They're having Bible study again. It's not about what you do. It's about who you're with. But if you definitely don't like Bible study, you are definitely outside the biblical fellowship. (laughs) And some people stay away from Bible study. Just say amen for my sake. I don't mean you. New information. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. It's good to laugh together. 
<clears throat> especially when everyone's laughing and they don't know that I'm crying inside. <clears throat> now, here's what I want to concentrate on from this point going forward. I want to concentrate on how fellowship gets started. And I'm going to make this statement. I think it's up there. Fellowship gets started by invitation. Fellowship gets started by invitation. Turn to 1 John chapter 1. Are you there? Let's start at verse 1. That which was from the beginning. I'm, I'm sorry. Let, let, me, let me stop and say this. We are in the book of 1 John. So who wrote this book? John. John wrote this book. Okay, let me try that again. We're in the book of... First John. So who wrote this book? Thank you. So John wrote this book. Let me tell you about John. John was an apostle of the Lord Jesus Christ. He walked with the Lord Jesus Christ. He ate with the Lord Jesus Christ. Laid on his breast. Was there in the midst of his trials. So here we go. So let's hear him talk. That which was from the beginning. Which we have heard. Now let me stop here. Who's we? Don't answer. But who's we? Put your mind on that. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. Who's we? That's the question in our mind. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we have seen it. And bear witness and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. See those pronouns? We and us. Now, who wrote this book? It wasn't multiple people who wrote this book? No, it was just John. But John in his writing of this book uses this pronoun, we. And we here, and I'm going to tell you, is in reference to the apostles of the Lamb. Now, keep your finger there. Turn to the gospel according to John, chapter 1. As you turn there, I'm going to read this again in 1 John. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard. So whoever we are, and I'm telling you, the apostles of the Lamb, that which was from the beginning, they heard. That which was from the beginning, they saw with their eyes. That which was from the beginning they looked upon, and their hands handled of the word of life. And that life was manifested unto them, and they saw it. And they bear witness and show that life. Now, John chapter 1, the gospel according to John chapter 1, verse 1. In the beginning, I'm sorry, let me read this in 1 John 1 and 1 again. That which was from the beginning. Wow, I'm, 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 I want to... Get this to sink into you. Because the apostles have a very special position. That which was from the beginning. In the beginning was the Word. And the Word was with God. I'm sorry, let me, let me read this again. Verse 2 of 1 John 1 and 2 says, For the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness and shown to you that eternal life which was with the Father. In the beginning was the Word. 
And the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. I'm sorry, but, but get this. He heard. He saw. He handled. The Gospel according to John 1 and 3. All things were made by Him. He heard. He saw. He handled. Him. Wow. That made all things. Don't you just wonder sometimes, what would it have been like to be there? What would it be like to be among that number? Awesome. Mm. Again, the Gospel according to John, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. The same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by Him. I'm sorry, but that's just, to me, that amazes me. So you turn on the Nature Channel, you say, well, he made that. Well, he made that. He made that. You turn on uh, the Travel Channel, well, he made that. And he made that. Uh, you walk outside the house, well, he made that. He made that. You know, walking with the Creator, the Maker. And without him was not anything made that was made. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. Verse 14. And the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. Now, dwelt among us means everybody. The Word was made flesh and dwelt among us. And we beheld His glory, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Wow. Now, turn back to 1 John chapter 1. So we know who he's talking about. He's talking about the Lord Jesus Christ. And those who heard him, those who witnessed, those who handled him, are the apostles that were called out by God to witness his ministry. So back to 1 John chapter 1, verse 1. That which was from the beginning which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life. For the life was manifested, and we've seen it, and bear witness, and shown to you that eternal life, which was with the Father and was manifested unto us. So now we know who we refers to. Now we know what he's referring to handling, hearing, seeing. But get this in verse number three. That which we have seen... Well, let me stop here. I'm, I'm sorry. Let me, let me stop here because I've got to say this about the apostles. Don't sleep on the apostles. The apostles of the Lamb were called out by God and given the special assignment to witness the ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ. And you might talk about the apostles and laugh at them. You know, how they're going to get their mother worked up to ask them for a special seat in glory. We look at that and say, look at them. We look at Peter and say, well, he walked, but he paid attention to the boisterous wind and he sunk. We start talking about him, but he walked. We look at Thomas, and who couldn't himself <laughs> fathom, nah, unless I see my, for my, with my own eyes, but he saw. Keep your ribbon there and turn to Revelation chapter 21. Revelation chapter 21. Don't talk about the apostles of the Lamb. 
you you can't you can't talk about them. I, I don't care what good deeds you've done. I don't care what sacrifices you have made for the cause of Christ. You can't talk about them. They enjoy a special place. I mean, you can't talk about you can't talk about how when Peter says, "Well, what about this one?" and Jesus says, "What does what does it matter to you if he stay alive till I come again?" And we sit up there and we talk about Peter and how bad Peter was. But Peter, when he came to his end, said, I am not worthy to be crucified like Christ. Hang me upside down. John got boiled in oil and wasn't through. Don't you talk about these apostles. And, and let me tell you, the apostles are not the apostles that they call themselves today. They stand separated from them. Everyone wants to share in their glory by getting the title. Oh, but I hear Jesus said, can you drink of the cup that they drank from? You see, we want the title, but we don't want to drink out of that cup. Revelation chapter 21. Yes. Talking about the new Jerusalem. Verse 12. And had a wall great and high, and had twelve gates, and at the gates twelve angels, and names written thereon, which are the names of the twelve tribes of the children of Israel. On the east, three gates. On the north, three gates. On the south, three gates. And on the west, three gates. And the wall of the city had twelve foundations. And in them, the names of the twelve apostles of the land. Let me tell you. I'm almost wanting to call names. I'm not going to call names. But your favorite apostle of the modern day church doesn't have his name. Don't, don't try to touch things that you don't understand. These apostles of the Lamb. They paid the price. And God knew who he called. <laughs> Turn back to 1 John chapter 1. I mean, they walked with him. They learned from him. They were chided by the Lord Jesus Christ. They were corrected by him. They endured the correction. Peter denied him. But when it's all said and done... Peter was a great witness for the Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 1 again. You see, I'm taking my time with this. That which was from the beginning, which we have heard, which we have seen with our eyes, which we have looked upon, and our hands have handled of the word of life, for the life was manifested, and we have seen it, and bear witness, and show unto you that eternal life which was with the Father, and was manifested unto us. That which we have seen and heard, declare we unto you that you also may have fellowship with us. I'm sorry. That, that fellowship, that koinonia, that's intimate association. You, you don't get that, do you? Wow. We are, he's saying, now what we have, you can have a share in. But you can only have a share in 
after we've declared it to you. That which we have seen and heard declare we unto you, because without declaring it to you, you can't have fellowship with us. But you can have fellowship after it's declared. And if you have fellowship with us, don't just worry about the foundations with our names. Because truly our fellowship is with the Father and with the Son, Jesus Christ. I'm sorry, but the, the, wouldn't you have liked to have been there? So you don't have to be there, but you can have a share of it. After the declaration is made. So fellowship is initiated by the Apostles' Doctrine. Offered to those who are outside the fellowship. Amen. This, this is outstanding to me. I know that people don't get up and shout about getting you know, a new revelation on fellowship. You know, not like you got a new car waiting outside. <laughs> but God wants his fellowship to increase and all he needs is somebody to declare the Apostles' Doctrine. You know, we don't, we don't, we don't jump and shout on that. You know, but somebody who hears the doctrine gets washed. Somebody gets sanctified. Somebody has their names written in the Lamb's Book of Life, and that's reason to shout. I'm sorry, that's, 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 that's shouting stuff, even though we don't necessarily know it. So fellowship is initiated by the Apostles' Doctrine offered to those outside of the fellowship. And biblical fellowship only gets started with an invitation that must come from the Apostles' Doctrine. Ooh. Turn, turn to Matthew. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Let's go down the line. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Now, what is the Apostles' Doctrine? I have it written up on the notes. But the chart of the Apostles' Doctrine. 1 Corinthians chapter 1. The chart of the Apostles' Doctrine is, is that it is the revelation of Jesus Christ which was committed to the apostles of the land. It's the revelation of Jesus Christ. <laughs> committed to the apostles of the land. No, that part of the revelation is how he loved them. They were ordained to witness how he loved them, that they might minister to us how we're to love one another. Uh, you hear me? They're also to witness what really concerned the Lord Jesus Christ. You know how we mentioned it before earlier, having our feet shod with the preparation of the gospel of peace? How we mentioned that? Well, they had a lesson in that themselves. Remember, there was a time when Jesus was getting prepared to be offered up. And he had to go through Samaria. But he set his face as if he was going to go to Jerusalem. And the Samaritans would not receive him. And his apostles said, Jesus, we read about Elisha. And how they came against Elisha and how he commanded fire to come down on them. Since these Samaritans won't receive you, do you want us to command fire to come down on them? He said, wait, wait a minute. You lost your direction. Your feet are not shy with the preparation of the gospel. You don't know what manner of spirit you are. They were ordained to witness that to teach us that we're to have our feet shy with the preparation of the gospel of peace. See, they are revealing to us who Jesus Christ really is. See, they're to reveal to us that he wasn't worried about taxes. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, but unto God the things that are God. While we want relief from natural laws, he says obey him. 
Oh, glory to your name. See, 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 people don't like that revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ. God, I need a breakthrough with my bills. Render unto Caesars. Render unto Sears. Render unto Montgomery Ward. I know they're all clothed. <laughs> the thing that are Sears, the things that you got from Montgomery Ward, render to them what belongs to them. Pay your debts. See, we don't like that kind of revelation. Amen. Glory to your name. You know, they had the revelation. Wow, I, I, didn't, I really didn't mean to stay here. But they had the revelation because remember when Peter and John ran across the, uh, uh, him who was laid at the gate? You know, they witnessed that Jesus didn't heal him. Glory to your name, God. Wow, I'm sorry. But, but that's because Jesus didn't come to heal everybody outside of healing them from the sickness of sin. And we don't like that kind of revelation because we want everybody to be healed immediately. We want everybody to get up immediately. But there's a hope that extends beyond the frailty of this body. And that's what Jesus Christ came to deliver. See, all this was a revelation of the apostles. That's the apostles' doctrine. See, apostles' doctrine is that everything is not going to be all right all the time. The apostles' doctrine says that there is glory. And it is coming. You hold on. You keep this persuasion. You keep that same conviction. You fear God. You work righteousness no matter what happens. See, that's what we're supposed to heal. Get sister healed back here. The apostles' doctrine is the revelation of Jesus Christ committed to the apostles of the Lamb. Who he is. What he has accomplished in his earthly ministry. And what he's accomplishing in his heavenly ministry now. That's the apostles' doctrine. And so, the... Fellowship comes through invitation that comes out of that doctrine. Now, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, are you there? Verse number 9. God is faithful. Don't you like that? Just those three words. God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ, our Lord. I like that scripture. God is faithful by whom you were called. You, You understand this? God gave you an invitation. That's his faithfulness. God gave you an invitation. Glory to your name. Now, this, this excites me. See, because we are in a period of time where we think if things don't go our way in the natural, God is against us. And we forget he is faithful and that he called us into this fellowship. We get our mind on the things that we don't have or everybody else has these things. But what do you have? You've been called into the fellowship. He invited you in. I understand. I understand. We need to renew our minds with this. This is eternal life. This is Christ in us, the hope of glory. This should be the reason that we rejoice. When we come in here thinking about what did God do for me this week? He saved you. Okay, how long ago it was. May have been this week, may have been last week, may have been umpteen years ago. But he saved you and that's enough. To give him praise. That's enough to say he's faithful. God is faithful. By whom you were called. See, I love it. Because you were on the outside, he called you in. You weren't looking for him, he went looking for you. God is faithful. You know, have you ever worked so hard that you got home and didn't know how you got there? I've, I've been there before. Like, oh my goodness, how did I get through traffic? You know, how did I get here? That's how it is in salvation. 
I didn't do anything, but I'm here now. I didn't go searching for it, but he brought me to a place where I'm all right with him. God is faithful. By whom you were called unto the fellowship of his son, Jesus Christ. So you had to be called to the fellowship, and he's calling. Matthew chapter 22. This will be our last scripture. Matthew chapter 22. You know, last scripture might mean an hour, right? Just to prepare you, right? God is faithful? <laughs> nah, nah, brother, don't try that on us. Nah, it, it won't be an hour. <laughs> Matthew chapter 22. Starting at verse number 1. So remember, there's only one way in, and only by invitation can you come to the holiest of all. <laughs> remember that. I, l- I like that phraseology, because it's a reference to Old Testament tabernacle. There's only one way in. There's only one way into the holiest of all. It's not, it's, hey, there's only one way in. <sighs> Amen. Uh, don't get caught up on this, because I've got to get to Matthew 22, but don't get caught up on this. But the thing is, you just attending church, that's not the way in. That's not the way in. You have to hear the gospel and respond to the gospel and receive into your heart and let Christ Jesus reign in your heart. Let God establish his throne in your heart. You give him the reins of your heart. You stop trying to take control. Then you are accepted into the fellowship. See, because the calling is one, but there's also responding that must take place. Matthew 22, verse 1. And Jesus answered and spake unto them again by parables and said... The kingdom of heaven is like unto a certain king, which made a marriage for his son, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden. I'm, I'm sorry, did you catch that? God is faithful by whom you were called. He is the king. Christ is the son. And so, knowing that there's something prepared, the king has prepared for his son, verse 3, he sent forth his servants to call them. He sent forth invitations. He sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding. Wow. Get this. Not everybody was bidden. This invitation was exclusive at this point in time. So he said, now, I have an exclusive invitation. Now, now go out to those who are exclusively invited. Verse 3, and sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. See, the call is one thing, but then there has to be a response. So just because he called doesn't mean that you're in the fellowship. How did you respond? So he sent forth his servants to call them that were bidden to the wedding, and they would not come. Again, he sent forth, I'm sorry, that again gets me. I'm sorry, why does Brother Martin get excited and stuff like that? Because my God is good. Because he called you once. And did you respond appropriately when he first called you? But he came again. God is faithful. You've got to see his calling. It's not just, hey, I sent out a one-time invitation and they didn't respond, so... To hell with them. He didn't say that. He said, no, 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 I'm not giving up on them. There's an again for him. Again, he sent forth other servants saying, tell them which are bidden. Behold, I have prepared my dinner. 
my oxen and my fatlings are killed and all things are ready. Come unto the marriage. Again, here's what did they prepare? They prepared nothing. He prepared everything for them. He said, come and get in on my goodness. You don't have to do anything but just come. Verse 5, but they made light of it. You know, how many, how many of us can say we've made light before? But they made light of it and went their ways, one to his farm, another to his merchandise. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. Now, now, let me tell you this. Let me tell you this about God. God is long-suffering, but he is not forever suffering. There's an again with God. But how do you know? You know, God was ministering to this, this to me, and I heard, uh, I heard our pastor make mention of this recently, and it just blew my mind when I heard it. She said, this is another chance, and there will not be another. She said that. And God dealt with, you know what another opportunity is with God? This is what God ministered to me. You know what another opportunity is with God? A potential last chance. It's a potential last chance. That's why you've got to make good of every opportunity. That's why you've got to make good this present time. God has dealt with you, and He's dealt with you, and He's dealt with you. And here you are with another opportunity. It's a potential last chance. Do not delay. Mm. See, we take God for granted. You see, just like we talked about other people earlier trying to take advantage of you, you've got to be the Christian in this relationship. You've got to forgive me. And you do God like that. Some of us do God like that. We say, well, God, you've got to give me another chance. And God's like, I do. Don't be deceived. God will not be mocked. Verse 6 again. And the remnant took his servants and entreated them spitefully and slew them. But when the king heard thereof, he was a little hot. He was a little upset. He was raw. And he sent forth his armies and destroyed those murderers and burned up their city. Then saith he to his servants, the wedding's still ready. But they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, give them an invitation. Amen. And I'm telling you, I'm telling you, this, you know this is about the Jews and the Gentiles. Where Jesus came to his own and his own received him not. But God said, well here's the thing about God again, I want you to understand this. There's still another again for the nation of Israel. How good is your God? But until that again happens for them, this is the time of the Gentiles. And he is bidding everybody. Nobody excluded. Hmm. Verse 8 again. Then said he to his servants, The wedding is ready, but they which were bidden were not worthy. Go ye therefore into the highways, and as many as you shall find, bid to the marriage. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. Now, I want to let you know, I'm not so sure you were in the good crowd. <laughs> Amen. Both bad and good. But you, know, you want to know what bad and good really stands for? These are, because there's some people we rather minister to 
versus others we rather not minister to. The good and the bad. Amen. And, and you know who the servants are? Who are your servants? It can't be the apostles of the Lamb because they've gone on. The servants are all those who are His. Who call and claim Him as Lord. Mm. So we're called to minister to the bad and the good. So those servants went out into the highways and gathered together all as many as they found, both bad and good. And the wedding was furnished with guests. See, the invite is the call of the gospel. Wow. Now, let me say this real quick. Let's, let's go to verse 11. So, we're called to the gospel. And when the king came in to see the guests, he saw there a man which had not on a wedding garment. And he saith unto him, Friend, friend, how camest thou in hither not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. <laughs> in other words, he knew he was wrong. He knew there was a wedding, and he knew the garments that were necessary for the wedding, but he refused to put it on. And he thought the king should be all right with him just being there. You're not getting this. Can two walk together? Except they be agreed? Oh, 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 oh. Well, why don't you agree with me that I don't need this wedding garment? No, no, no. You, you don't understand. This is my party. This is my wedding banquet. You know, this is my goodness extended to you. You don't get to call the shots. If you want what I have for you, you've got to agree with me. And he saith unto him, Friend, how camest thou in here than not having a wedding garment? And he was speechless. Then said the king to the servants, Bind him, hand and foot. Take him away and cast him into outer darkness. There shall be weeping and gnashing of teeth. For many are called, but few are chosen. Oh, I'm sorry, but I, I can't spend much time on this. I, I, I don't have the time. I can't spend much time on this. But do you know what he says? You're not in biblical fellowship. And you know what that wedding garment is? It's holiness and righteousness. And here's the thing about it. The more time you spend in the fellowship, the better the outfit fits. Wow. But some people refuse to be associated with the fellowship and think that it's going to be all right with them. And it is not. I'll leave this with you. The chosen are not the predetermined. The chosen are not the preselected. The chosen are they who are invited and who responded with sincerity to the invitation. That's all. They responded with sincerity. And when they respond with sincerity, that means they put on holiness. Wow, you know, again, I don't have time to go through this, but I, somebody ought to be able to witness that this happened for them. Once Christ entered into my heart, there are certain things that I used to be all right with. They just didn't settle with me. They didn't agree with the love I had for Christ. And so I had to put it away, not even knowing full well whether or not it was unrighteous. I just knew that I had a conviction. And I was sincere when I responded to the invitation. And so therefore I had to put that thing away. See, those are the chosen. 
chosen, they're not pre-selected, not predetermined. They just heard the call and responded out of sincerity. They didn't respond because mama kept nudging me. They didn't respond because I got tired of hearing from this Christian. They responded out of sincerity. They saw themselves dead in their trespasses and sin and recognized they needed a Savior and could not save themselves. And I'm out of time. Stand to your feet. This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.